You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome along to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. It's me, Colm. This week I'm going all alone and DJ's not here to join me on the show, but I'll be joined very shortly on the show by a special guest. That will be Kian Fahey. Kian's doing a lot of awesome work breaking down football tape along with much other stuff and uh, really looking forward to breaking down some of the upcoming week's games with him. Before we get into that, of course, last week we were in Wembley. We had no recap show, of course, and we do apologize for that, but due to the schedule of travel and just the real, uh, weekend took it out of us, <laughs> a lot of fun was had over the weekend in London, and I hope you all had a great time, anyone who travelled. Met up with a few of you over there, and uh, really was fun to meet up, catch, each, catch up with you for a, for a beer, and uh, a lot of fun. First of all, of course, the game at Wembley, I do think that the, the guys and the organisers down there at Wembley are doing a fantastic job, and you can see each time the game's on there, it's developing a little bit more, and everything's falling into place a little bit better, so I'm really liking the organisation, the layout, and so on, and of course, we got a cracking game, the first half looked like it was going to be a blowout, and it really turned around in the second half, ended up with the Falcons not scoring in the second half, 21 up at the half, and uh, the Lions came back with that last second field goal to win it, and of course, the first field goal was missed, went wide right, and then because of that delay game, they got a chance to take it again from five yards further back, so really, really disappointing, obviously, for Falcons fans, but a tremendous result for the Detroit Lions, one which, as a Packers fan, really uh, hurt me a little bit the way they came back. I thought it was going to be a great result for the Packers, but a good, good win here for the Lions on the road, and they're obviously on their bye week this week. We have a number of teams on their byes. But uh, I have to say, I really enjoyed the game. The atmosphere has improved very much so over the last number of years at Wembley and was the best atmosphere I've noticed into the ground. Great seats we had as well. We were just a couple of rows back from where the Lions came out in the tunnel and uh, it was good to see them go in after the game as they you know, celebrated with the fans and so on as they walked back. And, of course, they had that long journey back to the United States. So I'm sure it was easier for the, for the Lions travelling back rather than the Falcons. But great, great experience over in London. And, of course... We travelled down after down to the Indigo at the O2 event and met a number more of you down there, but it was fantastic, I thought. Really enjoyed it down there. Great setup down in the O2 arena, of course, the, the smaller section of the arena than the Indigo. There's the bars set up and they had all the games. They had the red zone on and they had all the other games then up on smaller screens and projected screens around. So, fantastic event down there. And, of course, that is on every Sunday and uh, something that if I was living in London, I would love to go down and join in on. It's a, it was really a fantastic event and the next time we're over again, I'm sure it's something that I'll, I'll head up have to say DJ enjoyed the weekend as well, but he's not here with me today, so I'm on the show all alone, and I'll just get the plugs out of the way before we get into our Week 9 preview. As always, do check us out on Twitter, it's at Overtime Ireland, our website is OvertimeIreland.com, lots of stuff going up over the last few days, and it'll continue into the weeks, and make sure you check out the website, OvertimeIreland.com. As always, last word on sport, are doing a fantastic job spreading the word of the Overtime Ireland podcast, as are you, the listeners. Thank you to each and every one of you who do retweet, do spread the word, and please do keep up the great work. But that is lastwordonsport.com. They have you covered for all sports, and check out their website, their Twitter handle, as well as at lastwordonsport, because we're up there on the Last Word on Sport radio network, trying to keep promoting the show, and uh, please do keep spreading the word. If it is your first time to the show, hopefully you're going to enjoy, hopefully you will rate the show on iTunes, hopefully you will subscribe. Keep spreading the word, keep uh, spreading it through social media and so on and so forth. So thanks to everyone who's done that. And uh, as always, uh, I've rambled on enough when I do the little plug segment at the start of the show. But let's get Kane Fahey on the show now and break down some of the Week 9 matchups. Want to know who's going to win every NFL game this weekend? It's time for the OTI Weekend Preview. 
Joining me on the show now is Kian Fahey. Kian is a writer for the Bleacher Report, Football Outsiders, Football Guys, and Rotor World, among other things. Of course, he has his own snap pre-snap or his own site pre-snap reads, and uh, always look, look, enjoy looking through some of those. But Kian, uh, fellow Irishman, he hails from Cork, and we're up here in Donegal, so it's a, it's a great pleasure to have another Irishman on the show. Hey, man! Thanks for having me on. I look forward to it. No problem. We had you on uh, quite a quite a while back. It was kind of in the early days of Overtime Ireland, but uh, I've kept a close eye on the stuff you're doing since that. And of course, you've gone on leaps and bounds, and uh, some of the work you're doing, breaking down film and so on, has uh, has got great recognition. And uh, none more so. I was reading some of your stuff just before we came on air, and it was uh, the piece on Emmanuel Sanders and how much he's improved this Denver offense. Have you been surprised at how much uh, Emmanuel has consist or? Uh, added to the offence with Peyton Manning or is it something that you know from his days down in uh, Pittsburgh that you saw coming uh, I haven't because he, he is one of the uh, I, I'm not going to say one of the few but I, I've been quite fortunate that I followed his, his career quite closely since he was drafted simply because I was always interested in him and Antonio Brown as Steelers receivers yeah. and early on in their careers Sanders was actually considered the better receiver than Brown and he was kind of he was getting snaps ahead of Brown in the offense during his rookie year. And if he hadn't injured his foot in the Super Bowl against the Packers, we don't know if Antonio Brown would be Antonio Brown who he is today because it was injuries that kept Sanders sidelined and let Brown get into the starting lineup and get ahead of him. And Sanders was just never able to overcome those foot injuries until last year or maybe the year before and establish some sort of consistency. So he never really had a chance to showboat or to showcase all of his skills. But we always knew the skills were there because we had seen them in, in short glimpses. Now he's doing it with the Broncos, and as anyone can see, he's been a great addition for them, and he's diversified the offense and, and replaced Eric Decker adequately. Yeah, he's been exceptional in the last, say, three or four weeks. He's really exploded, and he's really playing terrific stuff. You mentioned there Eric Decker, and one of the piece, bits of the pieces you were doing was you know showing the right tree that both of them run, and you were showing how much more diverse uh, Emmanuel Sanders is in his right run and compared to Eric Decker. Obviously, Der- Eric Decker still getting some balls up in New York and I, I still think he's a, a quality wide receiver I think just the, the quarterback situation there isn't great for him but you were showing the difference in the two right, right running trees for some of the listeners who maybe aren't into you know understanding as much as uh, you would be showing what have you seen as the other differences between the two of them well the, the route running is the main issue really and it's not even uh, an idea to say that Decker is a bad receiver but the difference between the two players is Decker is going to beat you in very specific ways. He's got a narrow skill set where he's a very linear athlete. By that I mean he's he's a very straight line player who's going to turn 90 degrees. He's going to turn 30 degrees. He's not going to be kind of hesitating and, and, and making defenders miss in, in short areas to, to turn different ways and, and take advantage of different spaces. So it, it's it's the idea that when you spread the offense out, you want a guy who can take advantage of every bit of space that comes his way. And Sanders is that kind of player because he's much more of a quick, t- quick, quick pitch athlete, and he can he has more quickness and agility, and he's, he's, he's he uses his feet much better. He, he's able to feign and, and use his upper body as a more fluid upper body to to fake uh, defensive backs out and and make them bite on things that they're not supposed to bite on. Whereas Decker is more the receiver who's going to run his route. He's not going to try and hide his route, and he's just going to win at the point of uh, at the point of the catch because of his speed and because of his size and his strength. Well, that that can work, and I agree with you in the sense that he struggled in New York more because he's in New York and he's dealing with a little bit of an injury rather than him being a lesser receiver. 
I, I just think he Sanders is a much better addition for the Broncos offense because they like to spread teams around so much. Yeah, I think he will uh, definitely for the Broncos offense. You can see how much he's fitted in, and just I know there's other great weapons around, but he just looks so smooth in there. He's fitted in so well, and just from the outset, he looked good. But in the last few weeks, and of course, I'm sure we'll see it in the coming weeks as well for the rest of the season, how good he's looked and how much he has looked. Uh, you know, you mentioned a very interesting point there, but when he got injured in the Super Bowl obviously that Antonio Brown has gone on everyone knows what Antonio Brown's doing now for the Steelers but that was a very interesting point that you know he might have only got that opportunity due to injuries to Sanders and that wasn't something that I'd previously really taken into consideration yeah well it was literally I, I think it was it was either the year after or the year after that but the year after the Super Bowl because obviously it's late in the year when you get injured in the Super Bowl you have much less time to recover and it was, I think it was either it was either Heinz Ward and Mike Wallace, or there was two other receivers on the team as well who were injured, and that forced Brown into the starting lineup. And so Brown obviously just kept developing, kept developing, kept developing, and, and has become probably a top five receiver in the league right now. But Sanders was more advanced, and he was the higher draft pick at the time. So you, you kind of you, he needed that that gap in in the depth chart to get a chance to show off who he is. Yeah, and he's been absolutely exceptional as well. So uh, I look forward to seeing both their developments as the as the season progresses. We'll start looking to some of the games now, Keane, and of course there's a, we'll start off with one of the maybe games that we thought could have been the the Stantons could have been the other way, and that is the Cleveland Browns and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coming into the season a lot of teams thought or a lot of people thought that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers maybe four and three, but we've seen how the Browns are four and three and they're one and six and you know their season's really over already. But the Cleveland Browns are showing that they, you know, might possess some chance of getting into the playoffs, although I do still think it's a bit far fetched. But Browns v the, the Buccaneers, how do you see this one going and is there any matchups you'll be particularly interested in this year? I do I do think it's an interesting game from the point of view that the Browns didn't show up last week and it wasn't a major shock they didn't show up last week because they've been they've kind of been winning but they've been uh, they haven't been yeah, an impressive well. team. Yeah. And but against the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers have just been so bad this year. I think the Buccaneers' biggest issue is they've signed players from other teams who were kind of were benefiting from their situation in their previous situation rather than making their previous situation better. Yeah. If like, like you look at a guy like Anthony Collins, Collins filled in as a starter in Beng- uh, for the Bengals, and they kind of worked the situation around him to play to his strengths. And the Buccaneers have kind of asked Collins to just be a normal left tackle and and protect their quarterback on an island, and he's just not capable of doing that. And it's the same thing with Josh McCown, Michael Johnson, Evan Dietrich Smith, and they've kind of built their team on flawed players. And I, I think they're going in one direction where they're just going to struggle, and they're going to need Mike Lennon to pull this kind of game out out for them. They, they didn't. They've traded away a few pieces, but they still yeah. have the offensive firepower to win a game like this. It'll be interesting to see uh, Vincent Jackson as well going up against the the Browns corners and then seeing how that goes. I, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will have a chance in this game, although they were they were very very disappointing last week. Everyone would have thought that they might have got a result at home against the Vikings. They were very disappointing, but I think uh, you know. They're, they're a team that has still got that offensive firepower and at some stage it's going to click in certain games. I don't think they're going to be consistent, but they might get it at some stages. And I just haven't been impressed with the, the Browns' offensive line over the last few weeks, really, since Mack went down. They've been struggling. They were running the ball particularly well before that. And you know in recent weeks now, they're, they're struggling to run the ball. So I think the Bucks will have a chance here. And I, I actually think the Bucks might pull out a narrow win in this one. Yeah, I think you hit the key point as well beforehand with uh, Jackson going up, up against the corners. I think one of, one of the other things to note is uh, Mike Evans... Who's going to yes, get? Good size. Yeah, he he played quite well last week, and he looked to be finally playing at a speed where he understood he was in the NFL and not still in college. So it, it, the game slowing down for him will be a very good sign for their offense. 
Another game that it's hard to really call at the moment, and that is the Dallas Cowboys game, obviously with the quarterback situation and Tony Romo at the minute, still up in the air whether he's going to play or not, but uh, I think if he's, you know, if it's anything above 50%, I think they'll go with him, but the way they've been playing their offensive line, I mentioned the Browns not going well recently, but they have been going well, and DeMarco Murray's been sensational, but they're playing the Arizona Cardinals, and you know, it's going to be a bit of a different game, one team will be trying to run the ball a bit, I think, for the Cowboys, and I think the Cardinals are going to try and air it out a little bit. How impressed have you been with uh, DeMarco Murray so far in that offensive line? I think the offensive line has been the key. I think Murray was always a good player. He just couldn't stay healthy, and he has some kind of fumble issues in the past. He's never carried the ball as much as he has to this point, and the big concern for me is, is he going to wear down, and are those fumbles going to stop? Because he's fumbling the ball too much. He has done. And while it's easy to write it off when they're winning games, it's a bigger. it becomes more into the, or it's moved more into the spotlight when they start to lose games, which it did last week, a game that they shouldn't have lost. And I think this is going to be a tough matchup against the Cardinals because the Cardinals' defensive front has played well this year, even though they are missing key pieces. Yeah, it's interesting too. You mentioned about him fumbling the ball, and you know every time they lose a game, and Tony Romo throws an interception, it's all on Romo. And then we see now he's getting away with it at the minute. It'll be interesting, as you mentioned, when they start, you know, to maybe in a playoff game if it happens to see what the reaction is. But the Cardinals too, obviously, we have Carson Palmer back. His arm seems to be coming back to full strength. Uh, I'm a I'm a fantasy owner with Michael Floyd in a number of teams, and he obviously was shut out last week. It looked maybe he was playing with an injury last week, and obviously he got a hit and went out for a bit, came back in, and uh, was held without a catch. Was that uh, something that you think was more down to injury or down to the scheme? I think uh, John Brown's been very, very good, but I think you also need the, the threat of uh, Floyd as well used for the Cardinals. I'm not concerned about Floyd at all. He had two potential big plays that he just couldn't make. And that, that's going to happen over the course of a season. He was also dealing with that injury, like you mentioned. Yeah. I think the, the thing about the Cardinals is we, probably before the season, we expected them to force the ball to Fitzgerald and Floyd and think that they were going to be focused on those two receivers. But they've built an offense now that has just options everywhere. And Palmer is spreading the ball around. He's not going to lock in onto receivers. He's avoided uh, throwing interceptions by doing that. So I think their offense is very much pointing in the right direction. And while you're never going to have one receiver have close to 2,000 receiving yards on, on an offense like that, there's still no reason to worry about uh, Floyd moving forward. Yeah, and we hadn't seen much of Fitzgerald up until two weeks ago, and he's had two good games in a row, so it just shows they're, they're very underrated, I think, as an offense at the minute, and their, their defense obviously is good as well, so I think they're really, really uh, in with a good chance of that West division, and looking forward to seeing how they do against the Cowboys. The Eagles are up next, and they're playing the Texans. The Texans are 4-4, four and four, Eagles 5-2, and two, and you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting one here. I think the offensive line, everyone knows the struggles they've had. They can't get the running game going for the Eagles. And I think J.J. Watt's probably lip, licking his lips. And uh, Jadavion Clowney, although he didn't do much in the game last week, I think the two of them will be looking forward to facing this Eagles offensive line. Yeah, that's that's the big key, really, isn't it? The, um, Clowney isn't as big of a, an issue in this game because he's going against Jason Peters. So it's going to be more on Watt. And Watt, Watt from the inside against that offensive line against... Nick Foles, who hasn't looked well or looked good under pressure or actually looked good at all really this year. You you have to think that the Texans will be in a chance for an upset there, even though they're playing at home. And I, I think another key is on the other side of the ball, you have two wide receivers in the Andre Hopkins and Andre Johnson who have played very well this year and who are matchup nightmares for the, the quality of the Eagles secondary, like we saw last week with the Cardinals. The Cardinals kind of hindered themselves more than the Eagles secondary hindered them. So I think the the Texans, I, I, I kind of like the Texans in this game. I'm not sure if that's considered an upset because they're at home, but I imagine 
if you just look at the quality of the two teams, you would expect the Eagles to win that. So I, I consider it my upset anyway. Well, certainly, and, and the book, bookmakers' eyes, it would be an upset. And I'm going to agree with you. I think the Texans are going to put a lot of pressure on Foles. And, you know, last season he had such a good season with the low rate of interceptions to touchdowns. And last year I kept waiting for this year to happen, and then this year it has happened. So it's hard for a player to come in consistently doing. Nobody's going to do it unless you're Peyton Manning, the level that he done last year. So I think they're going to be under a lot of pressure. And I've seen you tweeted a stat as well about Fitzpatrick and. Uh, targets of more than 20 yards I think is over 50% completion this year and obviously you mentioned them two wide receivers so I think the Eagles are going to be in for a tough match here and I'm going to go for a win here for the Texans as well so uh, maybe uh, the Cowboys in their game as well with the Cardinals we didn't mention a score or a team prediction but possibly both of the two teams at the top of that division losing this week so it's going to be an interesting week for a lot of teams as we get closer to that playoff hunt the Jets are playing the Chiefs. We mentioned Eric Decker earlier, and they're 1-7. So, obviously, they've traded for Percy Harvin as well, but their season's well and truly over. And the Kansas City Chiefs have been... You know, they had a, they had a tough enough schedule at the start of the season. Their schedule's starting to lighten up a bit now, and they bet San Diego two weeks ago and had a win last week again. So, they're 4-3, and three, and the Kansas City Chiefs, things are looking up for them. They're in a tough division, obviously, but maybe hoping for a wild-card spot. Do you think uh, anything other than a Chiefs win here? <laughs> I think this is going to be a pretty horrible game. <laughs> Uh, I just when you've got Alex Smith who has just not thrown the ball down the field at all this year. Yeah, and he has a shoulder injury as well. I think. Yeah, and and you're, the, the way to beat the Jets is to throw the ball down the field on that secondary. So they might not be able to score a huge amount of points because mm-hmm. Rex Ryan will know how to scheme up against Jamal, a guy like Jamal Charles and contain Charles. And then you look on the other side of the ball, you think Michael Vick's probably going to have five turnovers against <laughs> the defense. So I, I think this is going to be one of those games where you expect the Chiefs to win. But just by the laws of randomness, you probably don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the, the Chiefs are always pretty strong. They have a good home field advantage. And uh, I think, obviously, Smith's coming in with a bit of an injury. But I think it's going to be a running game here with Jamal Charles. And I've been impressed with Chris Ivory this year, too, and what he's been doing for the, the Jets. You know, although they're not getting wins for it, he's, he's playing quite well in the situation he's in. But can't see anything here other than a, a Kansas City Chiefs win. Next game up in the, the Jaguars, I'll be interested to get your thoughts in a minute on Blake Bartles, but uh, they're 1-7, and seven and you know he, he's having a lot of interception issues, and they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati, and the Bengals are massive favourites to win this game. Uh, can you see uh, the, the Jaguars putting it up to them, or you know can you see any way around the, the interception issues that Bartles has been having the last few weeks? Well, the Bengals have been a bit of a, a difficult team to, to figure out this year. They've played very poorly at times, and then they've played quite well at times on defence. They Bartles, started brilliant. Bortles has a, a tendency to beat himself, so he's still a rookie, he's still developing. He probably should be sitting at the moment and not playing because he's developing some bad habits, making some terrible decisions and throwing some very inaccurate passes. His throwing motion itself has, has gotten a lot worse than elongated, and you kind of think against a veteran defense, which is what the Bengals have, even yeah. if the talent level isn't there. They still have veterans who will understand how to trick him into throwing them the ball. I, I, I just I think this is going to be a fairly comfortable victory for the home side. Yeah, I can't see really anything other than it. And their, their record at home, although they did draw that game uh, two weeks ago with the tie, uh, before that they'd won 11 in a row at home, tied that game, and then won last week against the Ravens. And I've been impressed with the Ravens all year, so I think that was a good win for the Bengals. And another tweet that was going through your Twitter feed before it, you said that they shouldn't have lost that game, uh, the Ravens. And I, agree with, I very much agree with you on that tip pass of Dalton. should have been picked off and probably would have sealed the game going the other way for the Ravens. But these are the things that happen in divisional games and uh, the Bengals, although they've been kind of in the last few weeks trying to find their way again uh, I think uh, this is a game where they really really bounce back and get a, a comfortable win Philip Rivers has been having an exceptional season, people talking about MVP level play but they haven't been as good over the last two weeks, I mentioned that loss to the Chiefs 
they're five and three and you know really this week if they were to lose to the Dolphins and the, the Chiefs are to win that game they're both tied at the same record with the Chargers then losing that tiebreaker to the Chiefs so it's a big game here for the San Diego Chargers against the Miami Dolphins and it's in Miami the Dolphins are four and three as well so in the hunt for that that kind of wild card in that division I think too I think one of the divisions maybe a bit of, a, away from them but I've been impressed with Tannehill but last week then obviously they didn't have as much of the ball when uh, they were playing their, their defense at a big game last week against the Jags uh, how do you see this one going I see it I think it's very level on paper overall I think it is and I think the injuries in the Chargers secondary are going to be an issue yeah. Jaleel Day and Brandon Flowers have both been dealing with concussions and Jason Verrett has a torn labrum in his shoulder so I, I'm not sure if they're even going to play whether they do or not you don't expect them to be 100%, 100% effective and I, I, I do think having Philip Rivers in this game is going to be massive because the Dolphins aren't... I, I do like Tannehill as well. I, I think he's he's quite a good player, a talented player. He's a little bit inconsistent. But I think the Dolphins' roster as a whole is just a little bit fa- uh, a little bit behind where the Chargers are. So I think having Philip Rivers is probably going to push that over the top and, and make them the, the strong favourites for this game, even though it's in Miami. Yeah, and I've, just been, I've been very impressed with the Miami Dolphins' defense. They've been putting pressure on the quarterbacks. I've been watching them very close in particular since the Packers game, which I, I watched fully, and I've uh, been watching them over the last few weeks, and Cameron Wake's having a, quite a good year at the moment. So I think there'll be pressure, but I think you're, you're right enough and you're thinking that uh, the Chargers will probably just scrape out a win here, but I think that's going to be one of the better games this week too. The Redskins and the Vikings, RG3 possibly back, and you know we've seen uh, the, the problems for Bridgewater, but they got that one last week late on in overtime. How do you see that one going? Yeah, well, this is the RG3 is going to be the big uh, divisive issue here, isn't he? Because we don't know what the ankle is going to be like. We don't know because he, he hasn't been good when healthy, let's say, since the torn ACL. So adding the ankle now, you don't really know is it mm. going to be, get worse or is he going to realize that his job is under threat and he's going to perform? Maybe he gets injured early on again and <laughs> the Vikings in. Uh, I, I like the Vikings in this game because I think the Vikings have. The Vikings haven't been a good team, but they've been getting better, I think, as the season has gone on. And I think they have young players, young talent, who Mike Zimmer is is putting in the right place to succeed, except for maybe Cordero Patterson, who's not really been used in the way he needs to be used. But outside of that, on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're a better team than, the Red, uh, than Washington. And I think Bridgewater will probably play better at home than he has on the road, even though I don't think he was that bad on the road, just dealing with some horrible offensive line and, and just an overall overall issues with the, the offense as a whole rather than the quarterback himself. I agree with pretty much everything you said there, but uh, if RG3 plays, um, I hope he doesn't get injured. But uh, I just, uh, you know, I don't think many people outside of the team's fans are going to be excited about this one, but since uh, RG3 might be back in the fold, I'll just give them a win here for the Washington Redskins, and uh, it's not a game that I'll be paying particular attention to. The next game up, the St. Louis Rams against the 49ers. Big divisional match here, but the Rams, you know, they had that big win against the Seahawks, but came crashing down to earth last week. And I think the 49ers coming off the bye will handle this one easily enough at home. You would expect them to really. The the Rams just they, the Rams have so many injuries. They've lost Jake Long now at left tackle, and Greg Robinson's going to have to move out there, and he's just simply not ready to start. He had a great potential as a, as a guard because... Yeah. He literally just had to line up and hit people and, and he could be hidden in pass protection. But now as a left tackle, he's going to be put in space and the offense is going to have to have to work with him at left tackle and Austin Davis, a quarterback who is very unreliable and very inconsistent and doesn't really look like an NFL quality player. So the, the 49ers, if they don't win this game, they're going to have major concerns, especially at home. Yeah, and of course, I uh, mentioned earlier about the Cardinals and how good they're going. We're starting to get into must-win territory for the, the 49ers, and you know this is a game I think they can't afford to lose. The other team in that division, the Seattle Seahawks, and I think 
you know, I don't see anything other than a win for them here too. They're at home and they're facing the Oakland Raiders, and it's a game that they must win as well at four and three. So the Cardinals are really putting pressure on both the 49ers and the Seahawks for this division title, and uh, I think that the Seahawks will come to the come to this game and definitely respond, and the Raiders will go zero and eight. Yeah, well, I think that's the the easiest pick of the week. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to go against that. <laughs> I can I could try and craft an argument against. <laughs> As poorly as the Seahawks have played at times this year, the Raiders are just simply not in the same level. Well, uh, last week I actually backed the Raiders uh, plus six and a half points against the Browns, and they they didn't cover against the Browns, so I can't see them doing it here against the Seahawks. I have been impressed with Derek Carr at times, and uh, I've liked watching him. What what have your thoughts been on him? I think he is being effective in in a role that is designed to mask any of his issues. And that may seem harsh for a rookie, but the reality is... He's been put in a, an offense that's asking him to do very simple things, and if you're doing that, you're not learning anything about his ability. Like I'd much rather a, a quarterback do what uh, has been done to Bridgewater in Minnesota, where he's been thrown in behind a poor offensive line, he's being asked to manage a pocket, read coverages, make decisions all at the same time while under pressure. Whereas Carr is kind of, they're picking their spots when he throws the ball. There are a lot of just throwing the ball to his first read to his uh, receiver who's going to be open by the design of the play, and it's very much, you're, you're, he's fine in what he's in his performance and what he's doing, but we're not learning anything about him for the long term, which is a bigger problem for a rookie quarterback because you need to learn those things. And uh, two quarterbacks that have no issue with uh, you know their understanding of the pocket and you know reading offensive or defenses and so on in there in the next match, there's two games to go in the, the week preview, and that there's the Denver Broncos and the New England Patriots, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. I've lost count of how many times they've faced off, but Brady does have a better record, and it is at home for the Patriots in Foxborough. Both teams coming in, one of them the Broncos six and one, and the, the Patriots six and two. This here, in my opinion, has to be the has to be the game of the week to watch. Oh, definitely. But I I, I am I'm quite concerned about whether this is going to be all that competitive. I know they usually are, and it's very difficult to say it won't be competitive at home when it's Bill Bel- when a Bill, a Bill Belichick team. Easy for me to say, but um, the Broncos roster as a whole is just so much higher than the, or so much better than the Patriots. They're playing to a much higher level in every area, as far as I can tell. And I, I wasn't expecting this from the Broncos before the start of the season. I thought Marcus Ware would be a good addition, but I didn't think Harrison Tlaib and Ward would be playing as well as they are. Tlaib's been brilliant, though. I didn't think their overall, just their overall efficiency and effectiveness would be as good as it is. Of course, it's in New England, so that's that's where the equaliser probably is. The the idea that the Patriots won't be bad at home, but I'm very much thinking that the Broncos win this game. Yeah, I think that it's going to be. It's really, really just up in the air, and I'm looking forward. It's one that I don't really. I'm not really able to grab. I think there'll be a lot of running of the ball by the Patriots. That's been the, what they've done when they faced each other last year in the playoffs, tried to keep the ball out of Manning's hands, and they've done that quite well when they played in mile high. The other number of things, and obviously the Broncos' offense is going to be a lot stronger, but remember this game last year, I think it was a 24-0 at the half to the Broncos, and the Patriots came back. So really anything can happen in this game, but it's just it's one I'm looking forward to. But if you go on strength of defense and strength of offense, it's very hard to look past the Denver Broncos. But the Patriots were quite good last week against the uh, the Bears, and I'm sure the Patriots fans will think they can pull this one out. But I'm going to agree with you and go for a Denver Broncos win here. Last game now before we finish up, Kane, and that is big divisional game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers and they're both 5-3 and three, so this is really really getting into crunch time for you know trying to get divisional places. How do you see this going? I've been very impressed with the Ravens over the last few weeks and the, the Steelers have been up and down a little bit, sometimes good, sometimes bad but the defence is really having a lot of issues at the moment I think and I think the Ravens will take them here although it is at home for the Steelers. Well these games have, well in recent history anyway, they've been 
very close and yeah. too close to call, where it's only been a couple of points in, in each game at the end. And the Ravens obviously won comfortably at home. Yeah, I think Thursday the Ravens, football, yeah. I think the Ravens are a significantly better team, but that doesn't guarantee wins in divisional games. Roethlisberger obviously had probably the best game of his career last week, but I believe that's more of an aberration than uh, a sign of things turning around in Pittsburgh. I don't think he's been good on the whole this year. I think in week one, the first half of week one, he was brilliant. And last week he was brilliant. But we need to see if he can sustain that and he can consistently do this because they need him to. Their, their team, just their, their roster as a whole, just simply isn't good enough for him to play average and for them to expect to win, especially against a, a team that is as good as the Ravens. Yeah, and I think the Ravens, if you're looking at, I was talking about divisional one in the division, I think at the minute, I think it's between the Ravens and the Bengals. And I think overall, I think the Ravens with their their roster and that, I think they're going to come out on top in this division. And I just, I've been very impressed with them on both sides of the ball. And you've been talking up Mosley quite a bit uh, on the Twitter feed as well. Have you been very impressed with him since the start of the season? Yeah, I literally spent the day watching him. He, he's He's not really a flashy kind of a player, but he just does everything well. And he, he doesn't, he's never, as a linebacker, you want to be able to do everything well because linebackers are in the position where the offense is going to try and highlight their flaws. If there's a great run-stopping linebacker, the team's going to try and throw them with a tight end or slot receivers coming across the middle. If there's a great coverage linebacker, teams are going to try and run at them to try and highlight that. And what you want is a guy who's above average at everything. And that's what Mosley is. He's a guy who's never going to be out of position. He's probably not going to stand out when you watch the game, but when you watch it back, you're going to realize that He's never he's never giving the offense anything easy. He's forcing them to earn everything that they do, and that's the kind of thing that you just want from an inside linebacker. You don't need him to stand out, you know. I've seen the comparison been made a little bit with uh, Ray Lewis. You know, obviously they played for the same team and so on. Have you seen that uh, when you've watched the film? Yeah, well, it's always dangerous. Well, the same team, yeah. And put him against a future Hall of Famer as well. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bit like when we start comparing people to Gronkowski and Watt, and we yeah. do it all too often because these guys come around once every. 20 years but yeah in terms of style that's the style of player that he is a guy who's going to do everything and he's he, the one thing you'll notice if you look at him is he's very slender he's not big and built like like uh, even like a patrick willis who's not really huge anymore or an avora bowman he, he's quite slender and he uses quickness and his hands more than that and maybe that's the one difference between him and lewis is lewis was lewis wasn't big but he was strong and powerful and that's probably the, the one dimension that mosey needs to add and I obviously mentioned your Twitter feed quite a few times. I'll give you a plug here. It's at AF. That's C-I-A-N-A-F. And uh, obviously you can see all his work there. He's writing for the Bleacher Report Football Outsiders Football Guys. I've heard you on their podcast a, football, a couple of times too, which I'm really enjoying. And uh, it's really great to get that Irish accent mixed in with those American guys as well. So your own site as well, pre, pre-snap reads. And just anyone that's listening, obviously go and follow Cian and you'll get a, a great insight into what's going on in the game. And he's breaking down a lot of film there. So thanks as always, Cian, for coming on. It's great to have another Irish man on here to talk a little bit of American football about. And uh, look forward to the weekend and seeing if we were right with our predictions. Thanks, man. Really enjoyed it. Hi, I'm Delaney Walker, tight end for the Tennessee Titans. And you listen to Overtime Ireland. Great having Cian back on the show. A lot of fun talking to him. Obviously, as I mentioned, go and follow him on Twitter. It's at AF. Obviously, a lot of you guys probably know the voice, maybe don't know the Twitter handle. Mine's is at the Colin Kelly. Easy enough to find there on Twitter, so give me a follow too while you're at it if you want. And uh, maybe I don't use that quite enough. I'm usually manning the Overtime Ireland Twitter handle, and as always, that is at Overtime Ireland. Other stuff, to, obviously, to talk about on this week's show, we mentioned the games there, and I always do my lock of the week, so let's get into that right away. The OTI Lock of the Week. 
I mentioned there the Seattle Seahawks are playing the Oakland Raiders at home and they really are in a must-win position. I also talked about I've backed the Oakland Raiders over the last few weeks, plus the points, and it hasn't really worked out all that good for me. So uh, this week I'll be going the complete opposite way, and my lock of the week this week is certainly a win for the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe that's not going to come as a surprise to most people. Most people could probably predict that as well. But again, picking one of the games and I have to go for the lock of the week. So that is my lock of the week. Anyone else with locks of the week this week? Of course, we had our OTI survivor pool on NFL.com. You had to pick a team and if you lost, you were out. Well, that ended up ending up last week and the winner of that was Martin Thompson. Martin writes for us on Overtime Ireland and he got all the way to the end and he won that there first one. So there was an option to restart the group and of course we're going to do that and we've been tweeting out the link on Twitter. Be sure and uh, sign up for this week. It's no entry to nothing to enter and maybe we'll give out a t-shirt as a prize. Who knows? But uh, it's a lot of fun seeing who can stay in the longest. That actually lasted eight weeks so it's quite a, quite a good long run for the number of people are in. I think there was seven left before last week so well done to Martin for winning that. We always do our competition each and every Sunday, winning a t-shirt for predicting the score closest to that score in uh, one of the Sunday games in the, the second slate. And uh, we didn't do it because we were in London last week, but we're doing it this week again and possibly be that game of the week I predicted. And that was the Denver Broncos against the New England Patriots. I think there'll be a lot of people interested in that game, but we'll give you an opportunity on Twitter to decide what game it'll be. We'll be asking you for your suggestions. And then, of course, whatever game you pick in that second slate, we'll be asking you for your predictions. And the winner will get an OTI t-shirt as we continue to spread the word of overtime Ireland. As you are listening to the show, please do continue to spread the word. Word of mouth is the best way to go. We are independent here and we're trying to spread the word as much as possible, but it can be done even better with your help. Obviously, if you subscribe, uh, that helps us a lot. And obviously, if you rate and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, so on and so forth, we're available. Download on multiple devices, all the different ways, and uh, we're always looking for free plugs here, so feel free to do so. Also, we've teamed up with Paddy Power, and you can sign up to their website VR link, and they'll match up to 250 euro free bets with the use of that link that we have on the site that's the right hand side of the Overtime Ireland page we tweeted out as well be sure uh, and check them out and obviously we ran a ran a promo with them a few weeks ago and they've done a special with us and uh, it came in a very enhanced price special and hopefully if you continue to support us via that link they'll do a few more in the coming weeks before the end of the season so be sure and check that out as Paddy Power and we're joined up with them at Overtime Ireland but uh, obviously I've talked on long enough there's not much more football to talk about I obviously talked about meeting some of you over at Wembley and of course we met up with some of the guys there from that NFL Celts group good to talk to them outside of Wembley nice to meet up and I was surprised obviously I do mention that I'm very tall and DJ's quite tall as well but I didn't think we stood out quite as much to be just walking down and randomly greeted by a Scott man talking about uh, are you the guys from Overtime Ireland so it was great to be spotted like that nice to meet you and uh, met some of the guys down that O2 at the end to go too but a lot of fun great weekend had by all and hopefully this weekend watching the games will be good as well hopefully we're in for an action-packed week so until next week when we'll be back, DJ will be back with me and we'll be doing two shows again next week. So that's one show to preview, one show to recap. I said that in the wrong order, it's a recap show and a preview show, but never to mind. And obviously the season will be even better next week when the, the Packers return from that bye week. So go Pack Go as always. And until next week when I'll be back and DJ will be back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.